And we have a lot to be thankful for this morning. If you're alive, you need to be thankful. If you're saved, we're all thankful for a great salvation. And, you know, 50 years from now, we'll look back and we'll be in heaven. We'll say this was nothing. And I thank God for the trials of life. In 2020, there's been a lot of trials. How many have experienced some trials in 2020? Would you raise your hand? Okay, is there anyone here that have any trials in 2020? I'd like to meet you. Sammy, no trials. All right. Unless you must be doing a great job then. Okay. But those valleys are special places. Those valleys should drive us closer to God. And it breaks my heart when I talk to the pastors. It seems like this pandemic has not caused people to go close to Christ, but away from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's caused people to drift from him. This morning I want to preach on leaving our first love. Revelation chapter 2 this morning, and we'll be looking at the first five verses. Revelation chapter 2, it happens to all of us, and as I was uh, preparing this message, the Lord spoke to my heart about how we can go through the motions without really having a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you can come this morning and you can sing the songs and uh, you can hear the message and you can uh, hear the announcements at the end of the service and you can leave here without thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. And how many times do we just go through the mechanics of the Christian life? How many times do we pick up the hymn or we look at the words on the screen and we just uh, uh, sing this song without really paying attention to the meanings of the words? When was the last time you were burdened about your sin? Not somebody else's, but your sin. When you first got saved, the joy that you had in your heart, now you wanted to share the gospel with as many people as you could, and you couldn't wait to be in church. You couldn't wait to hear about Jesus. And you just love to talk to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the fact that we can pray in the morning. We can pray at noon. We can pray in the evening. You can pray in the middle of the night and God is available. Amen. Have you ever uh, tried to get some support help, you know, maybe with your computer and, uh, or maybe something that you purchased and uh, it was five o'clock and uh, it was closed already. And, you th- and they said, you know, uh, you, you look at the time and uh, it's from 9 to 5 that you can get help and you have to wait until the next day. I'm thankful God never puts us on hold. He is always available for us. In Psalm 85, verse 6, the Bible says, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? The message this morning is about getting back to God. It's all about Jesus Christ. We think about everything else but the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say that they are apostles and are not and has found them liars, and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, 
or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Now when Jesus said, I'm coming again, he wasn't talking about the rapture. He was talking about removing that church. And the church of Ephesus does not exist today. There are many churches that are closing, and Jesus says, I will close your church, my church, if you left your first love. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you'd quiet our hearts. Help us, Lord, not to be distracted. But, Father, help us to focus upon your word this morning. And, Lord, help me. I ask that you would guide my lips, that, Lord, you would guide my mind this morning, that I would say only those things that you once said. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I believe I was a sophomore in college and I attended Maranatha Baptist Bible College at that time and playing on the basketball team one day, our coach had a team meeting and he said, we're going to our school, our college is going to host the National uh, High School Basketball Championship. And he said, I would like to assign some of you men to uh, some of the teams. And uh, he picked on the sophomores and juniors before the seniors. And a host, the job of the host was to, uh, uh, he was selected to a team. And uh, these uh, teams had uh, participated throughout the United States. And uh, they played in their regions. And they won their region. I think there were like 10 or 12 teams that came to Maranatha. And uh, he gave me a team. And they said, my job was to make that team feel at home. And if they needed to know where the nurse's station was, I needed to show them where the nurse's station was. They didn't need that. The snack shop, they did, all right? And I had to show them where the snack shop was and uh, the cafeteria. And then before the game, I had to make sure they had enough towels and uh, water bottles and if they needed athletic tape. And uh, the team I was assigned to, I'm not going to give their name because they weren't very good. And uh, their first game... The cheerleaders are out there, and I'm sitting on the bench, and uh, one of the responsibilities that uh, uh, the, our, my coach had given us is that um, if the coach wanted, the coach of that team wanted us to give devotions, we could give devotions, and I'm on the bench, and I'm cheering for them, and it's second half, and they're down by 30 points. They brought several buses full of fans and cars. They had posters. They even had some people with um, playing instruments. And the cheerleaders, bless their heart, they got out there and said, come on, team, we can win. I'm thinking, no, you can't. We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? And they'd say, come on, fans, stand up. Only half of the fans were standing up. I'm praying for them. I'm thinking they need, not fans, they need a miracle. But you know, folks, they lost right away, had to leave. But um, sometimes I think that's a picture of the church of Jesus Christ today. We act like we're losing. I don't know if you've read your Bible, but the Bible says that we are more than conquerors. We're victorious. If you're saved, you're on the right team. And I don't have to get, come before you this morning and, and try to pump you up with some false hopes. Folks, God does not lie. And if we don't do it God's way, we're going to be miserable in life. We better do it 
God's way. The early church of Ephesus had been in existence for 40 years, and they were just simply going through the motions like we often do. Do you ever get up in the morning and you read your Bible and then uh, uh, someone say, what did you read this morning? I don't know. I, I don't remember. I, I, I read something. And you come to church and someone can say, what did the pastor preach? I, I know he preached from the Bible. I, I'm not sure what it was about. And we're not engaged because we've lost our passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. God's different than we are. The Bible says he knows our works. Right now he knows what you're thinking about. I don't. Uh, we're, we're good at trying to fill in the blank. And, uh, uh, you know, if we don't know all the facts, we, we think we know the facts. But God knows all the facts. God knows everything. And he knows if we are in love with him or not. Now, all of us, to a point, are men-pleasers. I remember working at Didion. It was a grain elevator place, and I went there after I went to college classes, and I'd drive over there, and they'd give me jobs. And uh, there was one guy I worked with that uh, he was a boss-pleaser. I mean, he was lazy until the boss came around, and then he outworked all of us. And I'm sure that boss was thinking, wow, what a hard worker. We're like that often. We're concerned more about what men think than God thinks. You know what I found out? If it's okay with God, it's okay with me. If it's not okay with God, it's not okay with me. Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. The reason you should come to church is because of the glory of God to please Jesus Christ. The reason you ought to respond in a biblical way when someone hurts you is because of the glory of God. I think sometimes we have it all wrong. We're trying to please self and please men. We need to be here to please the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see some characteristics of this early church. The church of Ephesus was in a large town of 300,000 people. The Apostle Paul started the church on his third missionary journey. It was a wealthy city. But what happened, the city influenced the believers. And that's why God said, be not conformed to this world. But I want you to see the characteristics of this church. Unto the angel... The angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So this was a message to the pastor of the church. Verse 2, he says, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Now, if we had heard about this church, we would have said it's a remarkable, outstanding church. These characteristics were things that you could observe. 
And as far as man's point, we would say this was an outstanding church. But God had something else to say about it. In verse 2, he says, I know thy works, thy accomplishments. First of all, it was a saved church. Not every church is made up of saved individuals. I think of Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus said, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, they talk about religious people. There are people probably here this morning that you prayed a prayer, but you're not saved. And that's scary. And there's churches all over the United States that are full of people that are not saved. They're religious, but they are not saved. This church was filled with saved people. In Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful this morning. It's not something that I did to get saved. It's what Christ has done already. And it's not something that I can do. It's something that he has already done. The Bible tells me that when a person gets saved, he becomes a new creature. The Holy Spirit moves in. The Holy Spirit changes our hearts and our life. And if you have no desire for Jesus Christ, you better check your salvation. This was a saved church. But secondly, it was a serving church. These people were active. I mean, if you would visit the church of Ephesus, had that privilege, you'd find out that they were busy serving Jesus Christ. Uh, they were serving by reaching out to the widows. They were serving by reaching out to the poor people. They were delivering food. They had prayer meetings. He says, I know thy works and thy labor. And the word labor in the Greek language means a beating, intense work. They worked hard. They were exhausted. Everybody was involved. Not only were they a serving church, but they were a steadfast church. In verse 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. The word patient here means to remain under. They didn't quit. The Bible said, therefore, be ye steadfast and movable, always abounded in the work of the Lord. Even if somebody offended them, they didn't quit. They didn't go to another church. There were some people in this church that had been there for perhaps 40 years and they're still faithful. They were a steadfast church. They were also a separated church. Notice with me in verse 2 that I know thy works and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. They had some standards. They had some requirements in the church. They were different than the world. It was an outstanding church. They were a soul-winning church. In verse 3, has borne, has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. They were out telling people about Jesus. When you're out in the marketplace, they weren't there just to buy items. 
They were there to tell people about Jesus Christ. John Wesley said, we have only one business on earth, to witness to the lost. And this morning you say, well, what is the best way to witness? It's not getting a better sign out there. And I've seen some church signs that are lighted and they have great sayings on them. That's a great thing to do. We have a lot of traffic going by our church. It's not getting a better website. And in a technology age, that's a great thing to do. But the best way for our church to be a witness is by your life. When you're around people and they sense that you have a love for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're different. It was a suffering church in verse 3. It has borne, has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. They suffered greatly. They were persecuted, but they didn't quit. And all of us would say, what an outstanding church. Uh, If we had heard about this church here in America today, we'd say, well, I wish I lived in that town. I'd love to be a part of that church. This is what Jesus said about that church. Notice not only characteristics, but the charge. Verse 4, he said, nevertheless. What he's saying, I have something against it. This is a personal charge. And as I was writing this message, I wonder if the Lord Jesus Christ says that about my heart and about you. You do all these good things, but what about your love for me? Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. See, if you talk to the believers in the church of Ephesus, they would say their greatest problem is with the pagans. Stay away from the pagans. We don't want our kids to be influenced by them. Or maybe it was their persecution. And we don't understand, we don't know, we have never experienced persecution like they did in Paul's day. The persecution. But Jesus said your greatest problem is you have left your first love. That convicted me. It should have been a chore for you to come to church this morning. We should come out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the Bible says they didn't lose their first love. They left their first love. How many, be honest with me, how many have you lost your cell phone before. Anybody here? A couple honest people. There's a difference between losing your cell phone and leaving your cell phone someplace. I've lost my cell phone before. It slid between the seats of the car. I couldn't find it. I had to finally get my wife's cell phone, call my number so I could hear the ring. But I've left my cell phone at home before. I've left it on the charger. It wasn't a, it was an accident in my eyes. But folks, when you lose something, it's an accident. This was on purpose. They got so busy serving the Lord, they left their first love. What does the word first mean? First in importance. 
Do you remember when you first got saved, how Jesus Christ was important in your heart and your life? I mean, he saved you from all your sins. You're on your way to heaven. There's a joy in your heart that you never had before. And no one can take your salvation away from you. They had a lot of programs in this early church, but no passion. They labored a lot, but folks, labor is not a substitute for love for the Lord Jesus Christ. So what happened to these believers? Uh, perhaps they got too busy doing the work of God. They forgot the God of the work. That's easy. There was no passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. They forgot why they were doing what they were doing. They were doing the right things for the wrong reasons. We please God not by working for Him. We please God by depending upon Him. Now, if you really love God this morning, you will serve Him. But serving Him is not a replacement to loving Him. And it's a lot easier serving God than loving Him. And why is it that we often think that we, we serve God a lot, that uh, we're closer to God than if we had not served God? Folks, God is concerned about your fellowship. Perhaps they loved other things more than God. We live in a world where there's a lot of demands. Demands come from everywhere. You've got to pay your taxes. You've got to pay your uh, uh, mortgage. You've got to uh, pay your car payment. You've got to pay bills. And uh, just things break down. There's a lot demanding for our attention. Sometimes we forget about the greatest person there is, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. All disobedience is a result of misplaced love. If I really love the Lord Jesus Christ, I would want to serve Him. And you would also want to serve Him. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, This know also that in the last days, and we live in the last days, and this is talking about church, Perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now the problem is, we don't get away from self. Right now, we're thinking, how can self benefit? And many times we look at the Word of God, we're thinking, okay, will this benefit me or not? If I come back tonight, will it really benefit me? It's not about you, it's about God Almighty. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What gets you more excited? Getting a financial bonus or spending more time with the Lord Jesus Christ? See, God knows our hearts. Are we too busy for God? If you're too busy for God, then you are too busy. Because God would never, would never allow you to be so busy that you don't have time for Him. 
Mark chapter 4, verse 19. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. What can happen on a Sunday morning? You can hear a message like this, how we need to fall in love with Jesus again. And you can leave this church building and the cares of this life can enter into your mind and your heart. And you forget all about the Lord Jesus Christ. God is a jealous God. Next is 34, 14, For thou shalt worship no other gods. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. You see, God knows what gods we have placed above the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows that already. And I'm thankful that he still loves us. So we see the characteristics of this church and the charge, but the challenge. And you say this more, well, pastor, we have programs here, but I don't see a lot of passion. Pastor, there's labor, but I don't see a lot of love for the Lord Jesus Christ because what you love, you talk about. And we have a desire to talk to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mel Trotter, years ago, grew up in an ungodly home. His dad owned a tavern. They said this about his dad, and it's not true. He drank as much alcohol as he served, all right? He did not. Mel Trotter, when he was younger, said, I'm not going to be like my dad. But he started drinking when he was a teenager. Became alcoholic. He would pickpocket people, but because of the unsteadiness of his hand, because of alcohol, he got caught. He went to jail, had gotten married. At his child's funeral, he took off his child's shoes when the child was in the casket so he could use the shoes to pawn and get money to buy more alcohol. That's how bad he was. He got on a train to go to Chicago. While he was in Chicago, didn't know anyone. He would go into a tavern and he'd tell the people there that I I will clean, I'll do whatever you want if you could just give me some more alcohol. And one day he was drunk and he walked into a tavern and he said, hey, if you could... uh, uh, just allow me to clean, and all I, all I want is some shots. And uh, the guy said, get out of here and just kill yourself. Just jump in the lake. He was heading for Lake Michigan to jump it in his life. And he walked right by the Pacific Garden Mission. Somebody outside encouraged him to come in. He said, I didn't hear a word of that sermon. I was so drunk. But they cared for me. When I became sober, they shared the gospel with me. And that night, Mel Trotter got saved. He started over 60 rescue missions. Many of those exist today. But J. Vernon McGee was at a conference with Mel Trotter. There were some other speakers. And they said to Mel Trotter, let's just go out to this dairy barn and get a milkshake. 
And Mel Trotter said this, God gave me a new heart, but not a new stomach. I can't drink a milkshake, but I'll go with you. And J. Vernon McGee told this story. He said, when I was out with Mel Trotter, he said, Mel Trotter was watching us drink those milkshakes. And he had tears streaming down his face. And he said, Ben, isn't the grace of God wonderful? Folks, what happened to our passion? Isn't the grace of God wonderful? That he'd take a sinner like us and save us? When we still sin as Christians and he still forgives us? And he took our place and he wants to spend all eternity with us? You say, Pastor, what does Christ say to us? What did Christ say to this early church? Here's the challenge. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Three things that I'm done. Number one, he says, remember. Remember how it was when you first got saved? Maybe you got saved as a child. Maybe your dad or mom led you to the Lord. You remember the transformation, the peace of God in your heart? Remember when you looked around at other Christians wondering what was wrong with them? You had this passion. They didn't have passion. You had this desire. Then he says, secondly, in verse 5, he says, repent. So he says, remember. Repent. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, Repent. That means to change directions. All of us this morning could say to Almighty God, God, I remember. You're coming soon. I can remember and I can repent. Then verse 5, he says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works. So he tells us to remember, repent, and repeat. I often tell couples in marriage counseling, don't wait until the feelings come back, the emotions come back, because they may never come back. You just do right, because it's right. The feelings are based upon us. It's not based upon God. Repeat. Spend time in God's word. This afternoon, find some time to open up the Word of God just to read it. You say, well, I already had devotions. No, you just read it because you want to hear from God because you love Him. You want to talk to Him. We're going to be in His presence soon. I know this, when you have a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, it will change your life. People won't have to beg you to serve God. You'll want to serve God. The Bible tells us in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, the church today, we just don't obey the Bible. God tells us how we ought to respond to one another as believers. We don't live that way. We don't obey God. 
God tells us how to live our lives until Jesus Christ comes. When you love God, you'll keep his commandments. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And we can tell Christ all day long that we love him, but if we don't keep his commandments, we don't really love him. Folks, this morning, no one has been as good as Christ says to you. No one has. No one loves you as much as Jesus loves you. God has not done one thing to us to cause us not to love him. Not one thing. I don't know of anybody else that's always with us. He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now we sometimes forget that he's with us, but he's always with us. In fact, he loves you so much, he wants to spend all eternity with you. And when I thought about him keeping his promises, it broke my heart. Because I remember all the times I'd write in front of my Bible the date, and I promise you, Lord, I'll read 10 chapters or 20 chapters of my Bible every day, and I didn't keep it. And maybe some of you made promises, Lord, if you get me out of this jam, I promise you I'll do this. I made a lot of promises I have not kept, but you know what? He's made a lot of promises he's kept. And he's kept every promise. And in the future, he will keep every promise. And I'm thankful that he doesn't treat me the way that I treat him. Let me ask you this morning, how is your love for the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't want you to answer out loud. God knows. Do you go to church out of routine because you have to? Does he hear from you during the day? Do you obey his commandments because you really love him? Folks, Jesus says, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. God knows our hearts. He knows how much we really do love him. And folks, it won't be long until we'll see him face to face. I don't want him to say to us, remember during 2020, the pandemic? Why did you just go through the motions of the Christian life? I'm available to, you can talk to me anytime, anywhere, about anything. In your weakness, you're made strong. I'm the one that saved you. It was Thursday, maybe you saw it on the news, but my wife and I were coming back from the Y and there was a car upside down in a pond. And I'm, like, scared me. It was only a couple blocks from our house, and some lady drove into the pond, and two people saved her life. They had her roll down the window, and they had her unbuckle her seatbelt, and they saved her life. One lady that was describing us, it was right out of a movie. It was hard to believe this lady just drove into the pond. 
Another lady from the apartment complex came over and uh, uh, we helped her, save her life. Saved her life, they probably felt great. Jesus saved you from hell for all eternity. He deserves our love. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.